This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by The Nature Publishing Group. It's the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. Over the past decade, as research into personalized medicine has grown, so has media attention to the field. This motivated Timothy Caulfield, a researcher in health law and policy at the University of Alberta who's long focused on the hype around genetic and genomic research, to gather colleagues to take a closer look. And there's lots of other research that shows that you know how science is represented matters, right? You know, it influences not just the general public and how the general public thinks about it, but there's even hints uh, that it can in- influence you know, research funding priorities and social policy. So uh, we thought it was important to get a sense of what's going on out there, particularly given you know, how much attention personalized medicine, precision medicine is receiving right now. Caulfield and his colleagues collected a data set of more than 700 articles that substantively cover personalized medicine. And then all the articles were coded and double-checked for intercoder reliability. One of the more subjective ones, and this is one of the things that methodologically can be challenging, is we were asking things like, what is the overall tone of the article? Is it positive towards uh, personalized medicine? And luckily, we had good you know, agreement uh, on that. So we do, you ask sort of subjective things like that, but then you also ask more, you know, it's almost counting, right? <laughs> Where, you know, what is the topic? Are they talking about cancer? What, what are the diseases that they're covering? So we, we ask about that also. And then in addition to that, we wanted to get a sense, are any of the negatives or limitations of personalized medicine mentioned? And, you know, we wanted to get a sense of how, how balanced the article is. The first author on the paper, Alessandro Marcon, is a research associate and a communications expert, which Caulfield said was invaluable. He thought we should look at the length of the article also, right? So how in-depth, what kind of article was this, right? Is it, was it a more in-depth piece about personalized medicine or was it just a, a quick piece about a particular development? And I'm really glad that we did do that because that led to some really interesting results. And their overall findings? The headline, <laughs> uh, the hype about the hype piece, is it's overwhelming enthusiasm for personalized medicine in the popular press. It was, I think, 82% was either positive or mostly positive, which is a pretty high number, right, when you're talking about a complex field like this. And only 7% uh, were neutral. And so we were even a little bit, even though we've done research on hype for a long time, we were a little bit surprised about that, you know, the degree to which it was mostly positive. I thought we would see, because it is a complex field, so there's a lot to talk about. So we thought we'd see more neutral kind of articles. Um, uh, we did think it was going to be mostly positive, but not th- this to this degree. We did not see a lot of discussion about harms, right, or, or limitations even uh, in these stories. And you would hope to see that, right, where they'd say, on the one hand, this is interesting research, but we don't really know how it's going to play out. We don't know the cost of it. We don't really know um, if this is going to benefit the public in the near future. And so those those kinds of statements were relatively rare, right? So, you know, as I said, given this, this is an emerging area. It's a complex area. You would think that there would have been more articles that talked about, you know, the limitations. Caulfield says the length of the piece seems to have a significant impact. The shorter articles, which were the more common ones and the ones that you see in the popular press, were the ones that were the most hyped, right? And as the articles got longer, they became less hyped, right? Which isn't surprising. I mean, we probably could have guessed that, but it's still nice to have the data that shows that. Uh, And in this era of you know, media becoming more 
succinct, you know, and where you're not having these long think pieces uh, being as common. Uh, this is, I think, an important message. This hype can have an impact on what the public expects and what the public is sold. So there's a lot of concern associated with these kinds of representations. And it's very hard to do robust research on this. You know, have to have that caution, right? You know, you get a lot of correlation data, and we've done that ourselves between, you know, these media representations and whether you're talking about policy or whether you're talking about funding or whether you're talking about public perceptions. But there certainly is um, the suggestion that this could create unrealistic expectations, that this kind of hype could be leveraged by providers who are trying to push something that isn't really ready for the market. I call that science exploitation, right? The idea that they're going to take this, this rhetoric and use it to market things. Um, and you're starting to see a little bit of that, you know, this idea that everything's personalized now. They call it personalized shampoo or personalized skin cream, uh, personalized diets. And I'm speculating here. I think what they're doing is they're leveraging the enthusiasm that's emanating from from this field around personalized uh, medicine and precision medicine. So you do have that that problem, right? The the creation of unrealistic expectations. Caulfield says it's not any one institution that's at fault, but overall, this can have an impact not just on what people expect personalized medicine to do in their lives, but also on the science itself. You know, I think that long-term, you know, accurate portrayals matter, right, and can have an impact on the direction of the field, can have an impact on public perceptions and and uh, on policy. So, you know, I think accuracy and and balanced uh, reporting is central. And I, I also think that you can still make it exciting. You can still make it sexy. It doesn't have to be hyped. But look, there are so many forces at play here, um, from funders to research institutions to peer-reviewed journals to editors that want to have this material hyped. And in a very subtle way, I think it's really important to emphasize that this is a systemic phenomenon. That I, I think it's not that often that that researchers or even research institutions consciously try to uh, inappropriately hype work. Uh, but when you add all those forces together, you know, down the hype pipeline, uh, the distortions can be significant. You know, I really do think that the research community has to be careful about how they talk about this field uh, and the promises that, that are being made. Um, recently, the International Society for Stem Cell Research issued some uh, translation guidelines, and I was uh, fortunate to be able to work on those guidelines with a fantastic team. Uh, and we made the recommendation that, that scientists, as part of their obligation as, as being part of the scientific community, should be required not to hype the work, but also to correct the record when they see something that has been inaccurate or or exaggerated about their work. And I think that that is a great message. He says future research is needed on how this hype affects the public's view of the value of personalized medicine. Genetics in Medicine is the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by the Nature Publishing Group. I'm Cynthia Graber.